0: this is Jim Reynolds and you are on the Christian Life Empowerment Podcast with Ultimate Mission and right now I'm here with Warren Ashford did I pronounce your name? Ashworth Ashworth I'm so sorry Warren Ashworth well I
1: say I'm Warren Out Worth (laughs) ashes.
0: There you go. So I met Warren the other day, and, and the way I, I first noticed Warren is is we were sitting in a meeting with Gospel Outreach because we're both at the Gospel Outreach right? right? Yes, and so we're sitting in this meeting, and and people are telling mission stories, and Warren says, "Well," and he started to t- tell this mission story that happened in in 1963, and which was really neat because I looked at Warren, I thought, you know, I was born in 1965. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, any of you that know me know that I love to do mission work, but but Warren's been doing mission work longer than I've been alive. And so when I and heard I him say that, I thought to myself, I need to talk to Warren a little bit, hear a few of his stories, and find out what makes him tick, because sure. uh, that's a long time to do. I'm fifty five. You've been that story you had was what fifty seven years old, yeah. Warren. Yeah, I don't. My my friend, I, should I ask you how old you are? I'm 82. You're 82. Yeah. He's 82 and moving better than a lot of people I know in their 50s. So Warren, you're you're doing very yeah. well.
1: The Lord has blessed me yeah. hugely. Oh hugely. boy. Yeah. Well, yeah. praise
0: God. I, are you still going to the mission fields, Warren?
1: Well, I yes. I'm on the board of Broken Chains for Humanity, which is a nonprofit working in Guatemala. Okay. And we've been working there for about 14 years. And we just got a used ambulance into Guatemala. And uh, we're wanting to build a medical clinic. We've been given 18 acres of land at 8,000 feet, which is going to be a problem for me. I've been there and I walked around, but with my idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, which means brittle alveoli in the lower part of my lungs it's hard to go that altitude
0: 8,000 with airs mighty thin at 8,000 feet well my doctor
1: told me don't go over 4,000 when he heard I'd been down there he says well Warren I don't know how you're doing it and I said yes you do my pulmonologist is a born-again Christian Mm, and I said to him Richard it's the Lord he's the one that's keeping me going for some reason, he's not done with me yet.
0: <laughs> Praise so, God! Yeah. So, so when did you? What what age did you start doing missionary work? And, and were you? Were, did you? Were you born so, a Christian, or did you become <clears throat> a Christian? Or give me a little bit of background yeah. on, on on you, Warren. When
1: I was three, we moved from Rockford, Illinois, to Minneapolis, Minnesota, and there we joined the Baptist Church, and that's where I learned to know about Jesus where I accepted him as my savior. My mom says, when I was five years old, I took the little picture of Jesus sat on my nightstand and I came to her and I said, Mommy, I just asked Jesus to come into my heart. And I tell you, it has been a wonderful journey with the Lord, it really has. I, I have a great love in my heart for Baptists in fact, I have a very dear Baptist prayer partner that I got acquainted with when I was flying with my wife, and I happened to sit beside this lady on the way to the San Antonio General Conference session, and we've we've exchanged um, emails almost every day ever since. Please pray for this one, she asked me, and and I'll say you pray for this one, and we have a wonderful time.
0: Oh wow! But um. Uh,
1: When we moved to California when I was 11, we became Presbyterians, and I enjoyed that. They had something called CME, not College of Medical Evangelists, but Christian Missionary Endeavor, Mm -hmm. and I was involved in that. I asked a Presbyterian pastor a few years ago, oh, he said, we haven't had that for years, Mm. but... uh, my parents uh did not get along well at all and uh, my mother decided that we should go to the church of her childhood she was full swede and she was a lutheran raised a lutheran so i went through catechetical classes and i became a lutheran and i was baptized by sprinkling <laughs> oh, on that baptism wow. <laughs> but i loved it wonderful people there mm. and um you
0: jumped all over the place.
1: Yeah. And then my my mother decided we should go to a church close to home. We lived where eventually, while we were still living there, they built Disneyland right across the freeway from where we lived. We had $10,000 worth of, well, I don't know. Yeah, I think they said at that time it was $10,000 worth of fireworks every night. (laughs)
0: Oh, wow.
1: (laughs) Anyway, anyway, we started going to this Foursquare Church, which is a branch of Pentecostal.
0: Right, yes. And uh,
1: I enjoyed that because by that time I played the trumpet and and, uh, they would give us a corner on the platform and we could play along with the music. Some, Square
0: Church has wonderful music. They eh? do. Yes, the Forest Square and Church. And sometimes is out we to, yep.
1: we were good music, and sometimes we were a joyful noise. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but it was wonderful mm. for kids. It's a great way to to you know to to make them feel like they belong. Mm-hmm. But it was at that time my father became acquainted with a Seventh Day Adventist at North of Aircraft in Long Beach, California, and this man wanted to witness to my father. My father was a very godly man, never drank, never smoked, never swore except once in a blue moon when he he did a lot of mechanical work. And you know when you <laughs> whack your knuckle with it. Right. <laughs> but mechanical was, work can tempt you to
0: swear. That's I'm right. That's right.
1: But he was a good man. But he remained a really a hard-shell Baptist all his life
0: oh so he never switched around no, when your no, mother did no so the but, Seventh-day Adventist man never well, talked him into becoming the Seventh-day
1: Adventist man wanted the witness to my dad and he didn't mm-hmm. want anything to do with it somehow that man got a hold of our address home address and he sent us a subscription to signs of the times mm-hmm. and uh My mother would rescue it out of the trash where my father had thrown it. (laughs) And my mother discovered interesting ideas that she didn't know existed in the Bible. One, of course, was the seventh-day Sabbath. It was given at creation, long before there were any Jews. And, of course, she learned that when you die, you, you don't go to heaven. It seems like... You know, when you die, everybody goes to heaven. Everybody goes to heaven. I mean, everybody <laughs> goes just, to heaven. It just isn't so. Mm. And, uh, and of course, she had always held that over my head. She had told me, Grandma's watching you
0: from mm. up on
1: a star. And uh, when I knew Grandma couldn't watch me because she was asleep in death, I was relieved. <laughs> <laughs> but then I also she also learned that uh, death... Is not an ever burning torture,
0: but right. God
1: uh, ultimately loves so much that he destroys those who don't want to be in heaven because he's destroying sin and consequently the sinners oh. and and uh, she was so thrilled she asked for a bible a bible uh, worker, and the Santa Ana Church. At that time, Anaheim had only 12,000 population. Mm. Now it's a cool (laughs) million. Yeah. But um, Pastor Fred Jensen sent uh, Bill Gibbs as a Bible worker. Well, I didn't want anything to do with it. I went to my four-square pastor and I said, uh, what do you think of Seventh-day Adventists? Oh, don't have anything to do with them.
0: I can imagine. They believe
1: that they're... That uh, they are saved by works, not by grace. Oh my goodness. And uh, they don't sing any songs or choruses about the blood or the cross or Jesus as Savior. So I thought they were really a satanic cult. Mm. And uh, I wouldn't go. The weeks went by and my mother and my sisters, my little brother, list tagged along. But they started attending the Adventist church they liked it so i i kept refusing till finally i guess the young people found out that uh, that i was uh, that they had a brother and they said well invite him to the um, mv meeting you know it was missionary volunteers Mm -hmm, back in those days Mm -hmm. it was always friday evening anyway finally i gave in i thought well it won't hurt just once i'll tell you jim I walked in, and my heart was melted. They were singing exactly the same hymns and choruses that we sang in the Foursquare Church. Oh, boy. And that was the beginning of the end for me as a Foursquare, but the end of the beginning (laughs) as Mm. a Seventh-day Adventist. Oh, wow. And I have loved this message ever since. Mm. But um, I, you know, to, to jump ahead... I decided to uh, study dentistry my first two years of college, then my junior year of college. At the end of that year, the Lord was working on my heart. I I want you to be a, a minister, a pastor. And I didn't want that. I didn't figure they earn much money and they work hard.
0: (laughs) That's about right. I (laughs) wanted to be a dentist because
1: I had the foolish idea that they don't work very much, but they make a lot of money. Dentists work very hard. (laughs) But anyway, um, I I found two of my classmates that were going to go to Newbold, our Seventh-day Adventist college located 30 miles west of London. And I said, it must be nice to have money to be able to do that no they said we checked everything out it's for the whole trip and the school year room board and everything it'll cost less than a year at la sierra wow and i went and it turned my life just totally to the lord Mm. i have never been around a, a more dedicated group of young people there were 120 that was the whole school from 23 countries oh wow and when we would wait for the dining room to open at lunch or or supper um it was it was just amazing to watch the the guys weren't talking about girls or sports everybody would get their bibles out wow and they'd be reading their bibles well after being there about a month i decided you know if you can't Beat him, join and in the remaining eight months yeah. of the year of the school year, I read my Bible completely through for the first time uh-huh. in my life. I'd read a lot in the Bible, but never read it through front to back. And it was a, yeah, mm-hmm. and it was just a wonderful experience. Then uh, they said, "What are you going to do after the school year? School year is over. Oh, I'm going to go back to California because I don't have any money to travel on the continent." anyway uh long story short i ended up call portering in northern norway selling wow. desire of ages mm. on the loaf in the lofoten islands um 350 miles north of the arctic circle wow so we've sold books while well, i was on my own the pastor that was with me was on his own and um it was wonderful.
0: So, so some people may not understand what culportering is. Explain to some of our listeners. what, sure. a, And there's not many culporters out there nowadays, no. if any. Um, That's true. And so We
1: call them now literature evangelists. Okay. It's, uh, they sell uh, many times children's books, you know, mm-hmm. health books, a whole variety. The only book I was selling was The Life and Teachings of Jesus, In a book called "Desire of Ages," Mm -hmm. and it's still my favorite book. Yes, I mean it is a good book. Oh, yeah, I've wept a lot of times, Mm. so moved by the Holy Spirit as I'm reading in that book. Yeah, it just there is no one in on planet Earth that was ever ever, even close to Christ. You know, he's just he was all compassion, all selfless, all. I don't know, all forgiving. Yeah. And uh, I used to tell my students, oh, well, that's jumping ahead, but Mm -hmm. I used to tell my students if I were to have two more children and they were girls, I would name them Mercy and Grace. Oh, boy. Because without Mm. Mercy and without Grace, there wouldn't be hope for any one of us. No, amen. None of us. Amen. Well, after I had finished culporting there, I had made so much money that... um, I drove down to Spain and uh and stayed with the pastor there for 4 months
0: so you made a bunch mm. of money porting. so 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 the people understand what culporting is because my dad was a culporter. Oh, or was. a literature evangelist oh, yeah, yes yeah. and i used to go out with him yeah and and i used to help him sell magazines door to door and and so what a culporter does is they go door to door and they sell books mm-hmm. and and it's even more than selling books because you you build relationships with you people. you do and and you do bible studies with people sometimes well, right
1: yeah the only problem was I didn't speak Norwegian, <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I had memorized my speech in mm-hmm. Norwegian, and I started out, uh, you know, mit navn er Ashworth, jeg and so on, <laughs> and uh, and I I had a little tiny dictionary called an ordbokker, word book in Norwegian, and I used that thing, and we would work. Twelve to fourteen hours a day because of the time of the midnight sun, the sun didn't go down. Oh, okay. And uh, families didn't go to bed till midnight. Uh-huh. So at midnight we'd go and fish, throw a line in the fjord, and we'd have a big fish in about five minutes.
0: Oh, what kind of fish we'd... were you catching?
1: Oh, I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> I'm not much of a fisherman. Oh, that I was love a fishing. Long time so, ago. Oh, that's that's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. But uh, then I'd take it. We'd take it to the. Uh, home of this Adventist lady where we were staying, and she would cut it up and boil it. Boiled fish. Boiled fish. Yeah, Mm. and with the bones in it, because the bones, they told me, it provide calcium. But my mother had always taught me never to eat fish bones. Right. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) but uh, I ended up going down to Spain. I lived in Madrid for four months. I went to Rome and saw... What Martin Luther saw when, in 1511, he traveled to to Rome and and you know there, and that uh, Church of the Holy Staircase, he it dawned on him the just shall live by faith yeah. alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, it was a I had a marvelous time. I graduated a year late because of my extra time over in Europe, <laughs> but I finished my ministerial course and then i i got married that summer we went to the seminary where i got a master's in in uh, systematic theology and then we took a call well we had two unofficial calls one to uh, to thailand and one to uh south america and we prayed lord whichever one comes through his official call first we'll go so i might have spoken thai but I speak fluent Spanish because we spent five years in Ecuador and seven years in Argentina.
0: Oh, okay. And, and I think that's, in, that's what I heard yes, you talking. That was in 1963, it correct? Was. Oh, okay.
1: We went as uh, missionaries to the uh, western jungles of Ecuador on the other side of the Andes from the Amazon basin. So, but, like, how far
0: into the jungle? So you're—I mean Well
1: no, we were in a little town of about twelve thousand population mm-hmm. called Santo Domingo de los Colorados, and these Colorado Indians were a big tribe, but not—they uh, weren't aggressive at all, not like the Alcas.
0: The Alcas. And, so yeah. Why, why,
1: that's on the we- on the eastern side. Well, you may have heard of of the. Uh, of Jim Elliott and the others, it happened just seven years before we arrived, and they had been killed.
0: Oh, is that when they the train, plane landed? Yeah, trying oh, to
1: make initial contact. Right. Yes, with I the did Alta hear about Indians. that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, my most memorable experience in those two years in the jungle was uh, when I well, I had been giving Bible studies uh, every week. And there was a young man, <clears throat> Colorado Indian, he would come with black dye on his feet. It looked like they had rub- black rubber boots, but it was yeah. actually dye. And then he had this short skirt, multicolored. The women wear the long skirts, the men wear the short skirts, and that's not, that's all they wear. The women don't wear anything but that skirt, and the men don't wear anything but that so skirt. So they, they go topless then. <clears throat> yes, yeah. they do. Yeah, but... Um, and,
0: and the women wear the... So so they can't see the motions you're making, but the women wear the skirts going down above right. below the knees. Right. The men are wearing skirts above the knees. Exactly. Okay.
1: Yes. And um, this nice-looking young man, fairly tall for a Colorado Indian, uh, came to the meeting, to the Bible study, with an a, an old man. I don't have any idea how old he was, but he was just pure wrinkles i mean his stomach his arms his face but he was such a nice look <laughs> nice looking little man mm. i mean looked friendly and for several weeks i had been telling stories about jesus i had been talking about the plan of salvation but i wanted them to really understand it finally the evening came when i asked is there anybody here who would like to stand and say i want to accept jesus as my savior and jim that little man stood mm. well the next week he didn't come and nor did his i found out that was his nephew afterward but uh and it was almost two weeks later when uh I ran into the nephew in town. Oh, he said, Pastorcito, you know, estoy tan contento de verte. I'm so happy to see you. He said, right after that Bible study that night, my uncle went back to the village and he became deathly ill. And he is the brother of my other uncle, who is one of the most powerful caciques, which means witch doctors, in all of Ecuador. People come from all over South America to be treated by this witch. these witch doctors. Mm-hmm. There are just a few of them, and his uncle was one of them. Anyway, this man, um, or the, the young man said, he became very ill, and his brother told him, listen, let me heal you. I can heal you. I'm a witch doctor. And he said, I don't want any healing. I'm ready to die. And I'm sure in his heart, he knew now he had Jesus oh, there. Wow. And so he didn't need to worry. Mm. And uh, so finally, in desperation, as the man grew weaker, his brother said, I am willing to get you white man's medicine mm-hmm. to heal you if." If you want that. No, no, no. I'm ready to die. Well, anyway, the nephew, when he saw me in town, he said, Please, go out immediately. They've just brought him out to the road. And he said, I don't know if he's still conscious or not. I got out there and he had lapsed into unconsciousness. So I never got to talk to him. He died that very evening. Oh, wow. Wow. But they... But the um, nephew said, please come to the velorio that's awake. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I knew it was the most polite to come at midnight. And so I went out there, and, um, and since they were well-to-do, because of being the witch doctor's uh, family, they had cases and cases of aguardiente, which is fire water, uh-huh. whiskey, um, So everybody's getting
0: hammered. Everybody's getting drunk. Yes, when I went in there, my nephew,
1: as soon as he saw me, he started yelling, Kayense! Kayense! Which means, shut up, shut up. Or or be quiet. But (laughs) really, when you say that, this is strong, Mm -hmm. you know. So uh, I said, why are you doing that? He said, I want you to pray for everyone. Well, that wasn't going to work because most of them were really... Drunk, right? And uh, so I said, "Why don't we go over by the casket?" They had the casket there; it was closed, it was on supports, and it had candles burning. And so I said, "Why don't we go over and kneel down and let's pray together?" So I did, and I prayed my heart out for for that young man, and uh, and thanking the Lord that his uncle had died. Knowing Jesus as oh, Savior. Yeah. Well, when I ended the prayer, tears were running down that Colorado Indians man's face. I was so touched. Wow! And uh, I don't know. I'm sure that that Colorado, the old Colorado Indian man, is going to be in heaven. I just hope and pray that the nephew uh, went there too.
0: What an amazing thing well, to we'll accept except accept Jesus the day before you die. I mean, just yeah just amazing yeah
1: and well it? it was actually days because it okay. was actually nearly a couple of weeks oh okay yeah. he was he was yeah. really sick yeah.
0: He, yeah he got really sick the day after
1: yes exactly yes. yeah but um, <laughs> and I slipped and said uh, where the I hope the nephew went where I mean meant he will go where <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to heaven right. because we do believe that when we die, the dead know nothing right so yeah. anyway that was my most memorable experience there in, in in ecuador i think
0: that that's a special experience i i have been privileged to be able to be there as somebody is looking for the answers on their last days yeah and and i watched this man i prayed with this man and and he he just didn't think he was good enough to go to heaven right and I said, it's not about you being good. It's about Jesus being exactly. good. Exactly, That's what it's about. And exactly. and we, we prayed the prayer where he just surrendered his life to God. Yeah. And it was so touching. And I'll never forget after that prayer, he looks up to heaven and, and, and it's like he went to some other place. And it's like the Holy Spirit was talking to him because he just started saying, I understand. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and I will never forget that. And yeah. so, being part of of an experience like that is just yeah, it's an amazing thing for for people people like us that really are are, are just we love watching God at work. Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, I um, I sheltered. Uh, let me digress. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, I sheltered for nine weeks um, back in March and early April out on the coast with a family there and they were giving bible studies to a man that goes by the name of lump and when i got acquainted with him i asked him now where does that come from he said you know i was always kind of treated like a misfit and uh, he said i learned to be tough and uh, he said you know if bullies picked on me I'd say, listen, you want one lump or two? (laughs) And, uh, but I'll never forget the Friday evening. And actually, it was the first Friday evening I was there. I'd been there about a week. And he came at 6 p.m. And he was just so happy, Jim. He said, yesterday I was reading the book of James. And of course, James was written by the half-brother of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, as I was reading... I felt convicted, Lump. It's time to give your heart to Christ. Mm. He said, "I'm the director of the veterans' organization, and um, he said there's a there's a person there that I just just couldn't stand at all. He said I had even considered uh, offing her.
0: Oh my goodness! Well,
1: the oh. thing is, he was a sharpshooter in two. Tours of duty, uh, duty, I can't talk straight.
0: Easy for you to <laughs> yeah, say. <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: in uh, in uh, one of the Asian countries and, and uh, killed over a thousand of the oh, enemy.
0: my goodness. Yeah.
1: A thousand? Yeah, that's what he said. Wow. Yeah. So, anyway, he said, I realized yesterday morning, after I had accepted Christ, You know, I went through the day so happy. And when I woke up this morning, that was Friday, he said, all that hatred for that person was gone. Mm. He said, I would never, I still don't like her, but I don't hate her.
0: Right. (laughs) And, uh,
1: you know, I thought, what a wonderful testimony that the power of Jesus Christ, you can study all the doctrines, but there's nothing that I that more convinces me of the truth of the gospel of Christ than what happens to lives that are going downhill fast. Yeah. And they accept, I love the program Unshackled, which, uh, oh, it's, we get it in Reading two times a day on their religious radio station. Oh, okay. It's from Pacific Garden Mission mm-hmm. in Chicago. And... uh there are actual uh, true stories of conversion from yeah. what they were to, the, to becoming followers of Jesus.
0: Change, a changing heart is a miracle, yeah. just like the lighting of the sun. Let exactly. there be light. Exactly. Let the heart be changed. Yeah. And, and it's just an incredible miracle. And, and it's nothing that you and I would ever be able to do for no. somebody.
1: no. But when Jesus came across the Lake of Galilee... And arrived there in the early morning, and two demoniacs came running out, naked, bloody, with chains dragging, dragging from their wrists and their and their ankles. The disciples took off, up, up, uh, up the beach, right. according to the Bible account. But Christ had a conversation with them, and uh, and they accepted him as savior and uh the demons that were possessing them you know went into the to the swine herd right two thousand of them mm-hmm. and uh, when the people came out of course they were concerned because they had lost their pigs but uh, here was the here were these men you know sane in their in their right mind completely changed and, and the And the logical thing for them to do was to ask, please, please, let us go with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, they'd never heard him preach. They'd never heard him teach. They'd only been touched by the master's hand and he had healed them. But Jesus said, no, go home and tell what great things the Lord has done for you. And later when he went to the area of Decapolis, the people were waiting and eager to listen to him Mm -hmm. that's a marvelous story
0: oh yeah Yeah. but
1: jesus uh, when when we have an experience with jesus that's the most powerful testimony we can give right and nobody needs to know the bible well nobody needs to study theology to be able to bring another person to jesus say what has happened in that life
0: yeah, the demoniacs never spent time in, in theology school. They didn't, Not they, at all. They never went to Andrews. Never they never went know.
1: to Sabbath school either. Right. Or yeah. Sunday school. Right. Or church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They went home and said, this is what happened to and me. And
0: thousands of people, they if did. I remember the, the story did. correctly, Many. thousands of people yeah. came to Jesus Many. when Jesus yes. came back. Yeah. yeah.
1: Now, coming back for a moment, after I had spent five years in Ecuador, I was concerned that. I hadn't learned to effectively uh, communicate the gospel as well as I had wished I could because 70%, at least, of my members in the jungle were uh, analfabetos, meaning illiterate. Mm -hmm. They couldn't read or write. Well, I had studied Hebrew, I mean Greek, but I hadn't studied how to communicate. So I went back to Andrews, and i got a, a master's in missions anthropology oh wow and that okay. was a wonderful blessing mm. but then we didn't end up going back to ecuador we accepted a call to argentina and i was a departmental secretary for the conference the southern most southern conference in the world patagonia conference mm-hmm. clear down to to ushuaia and uh, more sheep than people <laughs> <clears throat> But the Lord did a wonderful, wonderful work. Um, well, I can't take credit for it at all, but the, he really blessed for the three and a half years that I was there. And then I had a week of prayer at our college, and, um, and the Lord blessed that. And then they invited me to come and teach there. So I taught for the last four years um, at River Plate College in Argentina. Oh wow! Yeah, young people, go really from quite a number of countries, um, and that was. A did
0: you teach in English or no? No, no,
1: no, in Spanish.
0: In Spanish, oh, oh yeah, okay, yeah, all right. But they were people were coming from all of the countries, Spanish-speaking countries, or
1: well, they also come from Africa and else. But of course, they have a very good program for learning Spanish, mm-hmm. and you can come early and uh, take that for several months. But, um, I'm
0: afraid it would take me longer than several
1: months Well, but you know, I tell you, young people they catch on quick yeah they they, really they soak that stuff yeah, up I yeah. know
0: i got my uh both all, all my grandkids have uh mothers that speak Spanish, and oh. I keep trying to to encourage the mothers to teach the children to yeah. to speak Spanish yeah. along with the English that they're learning sure but yeah yeah,
1: yeah. Well, i had I grew up uh my childhood idol was uh david livingston Mm. the missionary Mm -hmm. to africa and it was a deeply moving experience when i visited westminster abbey in 1959 and stood there in the central nave of that beautiful church and there is the big bronze plaque Mm -hmm. commemorating the burial place of David, David Livingston. Livingston. Oh
0: yeah. wow! Yeah. So you went. So so you taught for a few years. You pastored for a few years, and then well, how did you finish it? You know, Warren. I think we could probably talk for hours. But. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I taught. I taught theology down there in Argentina. Then okay. I came back to Andrews University in southwestern Michigan. And uh, I taught there for seven years. What did you teach at Andrews? Uh, Also theology. Okay. The Bible. Mm hmm It was, and I taught comparative religions too, but mostly it was Bible, you know. And and, um, then I got an invitation to go and teach in the Napa Valley. You know, and somebody has to live there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, right now it's not the place to be. The right, it's on fire. Caused, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. And, and so I ended up teaching at Pacific Union College right. in the theology department for 20 years.
0: Oh, my goodness. Until okay. I
1: retired at 65 in, in 2004. <laughs> and then we moved to Reading. But I, I got to tell you some... An an, an unusual experience I had fairly recently, about three months ago, um, uh, my niece had told me about this app on the iPhone called Groupon. And she said, you can get some really good deals. Well, I thought, I'll check it out just for fun. Well, they had a suit for sale. For just fifty dollars, oh my goodness, and I thought, i'm going to buy it, but afterwards the i had after I had ordered it, I thought, now, why did I buy that? I don't need a suit, and I'm not going to be using it well i had been I had baptized a couple named Hank and Ella mm-hmm. and uh they were struggling with some issues in their life, and she had severe medical issues, he did too. And uh, he uh, just, just, anyway, real struggles. And and uh, so I, I said to him, he hadn't had a suit in years. And I said, Hank, you know, it just occurred to me that that suit might fit you better than it would fit me. And he put it on and it fit him perfectly. Oh, wow, Jim, I've never had that mm. kind of an unusual. I know, na- I knew why God had had me buy that suit. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, weeks before I knew who it was for.
0: Oh wow. And $50. So yeah, wow. How yeah. many times can you get a yeah. whole suit for 50 I know. bucks? I know. Oh, that's amazing.
1: So, <laughs> yeah. So the Lord uh, provided a suit for him. All I had to do is have the the uh, cuff on the pants hemmed because mm-hmm. they came longer and uh, Ella just underwent surgery uh, I think just about a week ago because she had fallen in a store I don't know, Walmart, Target one of those mm-hmm. yeah, and it was wet. She fell and she really messed up her back. Oh, no. Anyway, been praying for them. I just got a prayer list that that is so long I often can't get through it all. Oh. I believe prayer and 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 I like that slogan, you know, prayer changes things. Yes. It's true. And prayer changes people too. I've had a marvelous time teaching uh religion. I've had students, you know, that weren't Christians. Uh I had the joy of leading a A couple to the lord that were well he was actually catholic they're both from vietnam and she was um no she was catholic and he was not really anything anyway i had the joy of giving them bible studies and -hmm. and baptizing them and you know just the joy of being a teacher is, is just endless oh yeah because i have Former students now all over the world.
0: Oh, yeah, all that must be wonderful. Yeah,
1: it
0: is. So, Warren, during this time of COVID right now, and and all the things that are happening in the world, the world's it's kind of gone crazy right now. Hasn't it, has. it I mean, you just don't know what to expect next, and 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 you're kind of afraid of what to expect next. And and I know a lot of people that they have a love for Jesus, but but they're really afraid. To be able to go out and tell somebody about it they they feel like they need to be a theologian they yeah. feel like they you know they 've got to have some special knowledge or or a special gift yeah. or a special personality to be able to to help somebody else find a relationship with jesus yeah. they they just don 't feel qualified. What would you tell somebody like that
1: well i let me first comment about the fear factor you know in luke twenty one uh christ talks about men's hearts failing them for fear Mm -hmm. but on the wall of my study at home i have a favorite passage it's a it's a paraphrase of philippians 4 6 and 7 paul was in the mamertine prison knowing that it wouldn't be long until he would die for his faith and we believe he died Uh, beheaded probably about 67 68 ad and uh, he wrote and and it's i've got to quote it to you he says do not worry about anything instead pray about everything Mm. tell god your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers if you do this you will experience god's peace which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. Mm. His peace will keep your thoughts and hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. Oh, wow. That very message I have shared with some people right there in Reading, and I have seen them respond favorably to it because... With the COVID scare, and it is a scare, and I have no business traveling around like I am now, I should be sheltering because I'm in the extreme, you know, risk. Right, with the with, with my which, yeah. lung problem and my age. Right. But the Lord is keeping me going like an antique energizer bunny. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly antique. <laughs> but um, But when... When people are are forced to think about you know what's coming on this world, we see all the rioting, we see all the wars, we look at the the fires. I mean, the fire near Reading has now exceeded fifty thousand acres, mm. and uh, people are in a mood and an attitude that I think allows us. ...to openly talk about Jesus. Yeah. Um, I just got acquainted with a person the other day. And uh, I talked to her. I said, you know, you just seem to have uh, Christ's spirit in you. And, and I don't know that she's a Christian, but she just looked like one anyway. She, I texted her, and she wrote me back. She says, thank you so much. God bless you. Mm. You know, and... And just being friendly with people, yeah. talking with people. Um, I mean, I, with the Lord's help, uh, conversation can so quickly turn to spiritual things.
0: Yes. You yeah. know,
1: what do you? Where do you think we're headed? You know, what? Are, what do you think's going to happen? And I like to tell them, I know what's going to happen. I don't know who's going to win the election, but it doesn't matter. God. Is in ultimate control. Yes. And uh, the other thing I used to tell my students all the time, there are two th- Bible passages you've got to keep in mind. Job said, be faithful unto death. I'm sorry. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Mm-hmm. I have to have that kind of unshakable faith, Jim. Mm. I have yes. to. Yes. Or, or trials, or tribulations, or disease, can can break me mm-hmm. and separate me. But in in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, is the other passage that I started met, mes, uh, mentioning. Christ said, "Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life." Mm-hmm. And when I share those passages, people say, "Wow." You know I want that crown of life. Yeah. I don't know if yeah, yeah, if the Holy Spirit opens the door.
0: Yes, he does. He really does. And you're right. People need peace right now. They do. They they, they they're, they're scared. They, there's so much fear going on exactly. and so so just to be able to even if you're just an example of Yeah. I feel peace. Yeah. I know this is going on all around right. us, but, but but right now, I know that, that in the end, it's going to be okay. Right. And Because yeah. and, I know who's in control.
1: Right. I had a student down at River Plate College in Argentina who had gone his first couple of years to uh, Buenos Aires, the University of Buenos Aires, and he was a communist agitator. He was wanting to make uh, communist groups in the university Mm -hmm. but uh, came to know christ came to to river plate college and uh, they have a wonderful plan down there right around easter time uh, we go and we we fan out that whole general area we had to travel about 40 kilometers and we rented a theater and um, it had room for maybe 200 people in it and um we showed every evening the uh story of the life of christ on the screen and people want to see that because it's semana santa holy week
0: Mm and where Mm -hmm. the
1: people are catholic you know they they come and they like that well then on uh sunday evening we start with the regular meetings and uh, this young man had been given the sermon like all the other students had that he had studied to to give to the people. Well, only about 13 people showed up and uh, anyway delivered the sermon and that was the end and my team was quite discouraged afterwards. And I said, uh, Ramon, tomorrow night... I want you to ignore that other sermon that's written out. I want you to tell your story mm, mm-hmm. and we all prayed the next evening. We had forty people oh wow and um uh, and it was just wonderful as he shed his i mean shared his story, and then he gave a call, and people raised their hands.
0: <laughs> praise God
1: it was yeah. just glorious.
0: Yeah, there's um, there's really nothing like a testimony, yeah. is there? I mean, yeah. people can argue with your theology, yeah. but they yeah. can't argue with the way you feel.
1: Yeah. I've gone to Russia four times doing evangelism. Mm-hmm. I started in 1993, uh, just two years after Glasnost, just, you know, when the Communist Party fell. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, I had a, a wonderful experience there, too, that is worth sharing we were invited by an ex-prisoner in that prison who had come to know Christ to come and speak in the prison.
0: Mm-hmm. and uh, In Russia.
1: In Russia, in Nizhny Novgorod. And uh, it was called Gorky during the Russian era. Mm-hmm. But in Nizhny Novgorod is this prison with approximately 700 prisoners Mm -hmm. and they took us into the dining hall they had the tables to one side they had them sitting on backless benches and on the far wall was an enormous crucifix that had been there before the communist era Mm -hmm. and they had left it in there and so i i was given the privilege of speaking and I poured my heart out. I told the gospel story in as winsome and kind way as I could. And I kept pointing to the cross.
0: Oh, and yeah. I said,
1: he's the answer mm-hmm. to your life. It doesn't have to end here in prison. You know, it's, he's got a wonderful plan for you. Uh, probably, um, what is it? Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. He says, I know, I know the, the plans. plans I have mm-hmm. for you. Plans not to harm you, but to to uh, bless you. To, you know, plans to give you hope and a future. Anyway, um, I, I preached my heart out. And then I said, would you be interested in accepting Christ as your Savior? If you do, it's going to be hard for you in this prison. Because undoubtedly there will be people that will, or prisoners that will make fun of you. So I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to stand up. And uh, Jim, I will never forget. I never, I didn't see one single one still seated. Wow. 700. 700. Wow. The head of the prison invited us to his to his uh, apartment in the prison afterwards for a meal. He said... I am so pleased with what happened here today. He said, I'm giving you permission to put as many Bibles in you as you want in the prison library and as many books of, of Ellen White, because I had told him we have those books too. Mm-hmm. Not very many of them translated into Russian at that time. right? But uh, he he told us you can put as many of those in in the library too. And then he gave me a great big framed picture, which I, I had to cut the corners off to get in my suitcase. And it was a picture of the black Madonna, beautifully mm-hmm. done. She's famous in Russia. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with being uh, that the Virgin was black. Right. It's just that the Virgin, that picture hangs in St. Petersburg, and it's been there for centuries. And so many have burned candles to it that it's blackened. Oh, that's why really? it's referred to ah, as the Black I, oh, Madonna. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. Interesting. And I had that
1: for years oh, in the Napa great. Valley. Yeah. Never hung it up. But oh. anyway, but but I tell you, it's going to be an incredible thrill when I see some of those, hopefully many of those prisoners in heaven
0: oh yeah and
1: that little colorado indian man too Mm. and my students too
0: yeah warren i i believe in heaven you are going to have a party like i am it's it's going to be amazing yeah 82 years old and you're still going strong and you still plan on going to i do going out and doing mission work and so i mean my daughter
1: and son-in-law are missionaries in cairo egypt Mm. my Youngest son and his wife and kids are missionaries in Germany. They work with the refugees from the Middle
0: East. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. Wow, that's amazing.
0: (laughs) Warren, I could talk to you all night. I know you have stories, and boy, I'd love to... To, to pick your brain on the theology that you have and that you've taught. Wow, that would be amazing. Unfortunately, we have a limited amount of time yes. we can do this because you know what? People aren't going to listen to this forever. They, That's right. They, they, a lot of times they're listening to it when they're driving somewhere or what have you. But right. boy, I, I I have been very interested in the stories you've told and the things you had to say. So thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. You're
1: very, very welcome, Sam. Mm. Yeah.
0: Well, God bless you all and, uh, and enjoy this and, and any of the other podcasts that we're doing. Write me at ultimatemission1 uh, at gmail.com. That's ultimatemission1 at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. Uh, let me know if you have any ideas for mission or mission stories because I'd love to hear them. All right, everybody have a great day and God bless you all.